To me, staying in process with God means that my journey in following Him and trying to put Him first in my life and build my life God's way is just that. It's a process, and not all of it comes naturally. The process takes time, intentionality, honesty, humility, and the grace for myself and for others as I try to grow more each day into the fullness of who God created me to be. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Building Blocks, a seven-part weekly podcast released in conjunction with our Building God's Way teaching series through the book of Nehemiah. Each week, we're going to talk to a member of our staff or leadership team about tools we can use if we are going to build our lives God's way. And today, I'm joined by my friend, Nikki McInturf, Kidsway, uh, Bridgeway's assistant Kidsway director. And we're going to talk about what does it look like to stay in process with God as we just develop our relationship with him and grow spiritually. So Nikki, first question for you, you just talked about just, you use that word a few times of, of process. I think we view a lot of things in our lives as, as destinations, or we think about goals that we set that we want to accomplish. I want to, you know, get a certain job or I want to finish a degree or I want to, you know, raise my kids without going crazy or things like that. Right. Um, why do you think it's important to, to view our, our spiritual lives less as a destination and more as that type of a process? Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And I've been thinking a lot about that um, because I think I get frustrated because I feel like it should be this linear journey where um, I'm continually growing and following God and moving towards where he wants me to go. But um, a lot similar to how Pastor Judah was talking, I feel like my life goes up and down and all around. Yeah. Um, the ups and downs of life, I feel like the more I journey through faith and um, draw closer to God, the more I realize that those ups and downs are actually a part of the growth process. So yeah. we think that, you know, following Jesus and living our lives for him, we should have this really even keel, steadfast faith. And I feel like there's so much growth that happens in the downward and then in the coming up and being on the mountaintop. So I think that whole process um, is really important for us to be able to grow and to see the fullness of God and his um, presence in our lives. Yeah. And, and I think that those down moments, which are going to come, they're just part of life, right? I, I think they can be they can be very disorienting in the best of circumstances. I think they can be especially disorienting if we don't expect them, right? Like, and that's kind of, Pastor Judah alluded to that this last weekend, this idea that sort of if we if we paint this picture of spiritual life is always up and to the right, <laughs> that's just not how the world works. Certainly that's not my experience and I know it's not yours either. And if we, and if we talk about that as being normative, Instead of seeing those down moments as an opportunity for, for God to maybe meet us in some special ways or to, to, to grow in some particular ways, it's going to be very disorienting. Um, I, I want to ask you, how have you seen, kind of looking at this idea of, hey, just there are ups and downs in our, our spiritual lives and, and, and God does stuff in those different different places. How have you seen God use those kind of down moments in, in your own life? Yeah, so I think especially this year in particular, um, you know, my whole life I've had seasons of ups and downs, but this year in particular, I feel like with all of the changes and everything, the ups and downs have really become a part of just, sometimes I feel like it's monthly, sometimes I feel like it's weekly or even daily. Um, and what I've come to realize is there is so much um, power and grace in the preparing, right? So. Yeah. I didn't really think about it before, but um, I think a lot of that up and down rhythm, um, there's 
there's a lot of growth that you can get from preparing ahead of time for the down. And um, I think that we often neglect that part of it. Um, so, you know, we go into the down part and we're scrambling to try to find coping coping mechanisms and ways, ways to, um, to move forward in that. And I think at the mountaintop part when, or maybe we're on a plateau where um, we can start working on those, some of those spiritual disciplines, you know, where yeah. spending time with God, we're reminding ourselves daily of his truths and of his promises. And um, we're going to him in prayer and we're creating relationships, building relationships where we can truly be vulnerable and real. And then when we go into those downward, um, those downward journeys, it, like you said, it doesn't throw us off balance as much. It still might be difficult, but then we can pull from those disciplines, from those practices that we have so that we don't get thrown off course so much. Yeah, there's kind of this old old cliche in in church world that says, "Don't let your circumstances dictate your theology." This idea of let, let's let's understand what's true about God, independent of our of our circumstances, and then let's remember that as our circumstances change, and and that can be very difficult to do if we don't do the work in sort of less kind of emotionally volatile or vulnerable times, right? That if if we're trying to figure out, okay, who is God in the midst of what I'm going through in, in a time of crisis, I'm not saying don't try to do that, but I'm saying if we haven't done that work in advance, if I'm understanding you correctly, I think it sounds like what you're saying is that's, good, that's just going to be a very difficult thing to do in crisis. So in sort of quote unquote normal times of life, that's where we need to establish those rhythms of, of connecting with the Lord, of, of building relationships of people we can lean on in times of crisis. Um, because once we're in a crisis, it can be very difficult to do those things, right? Absolutely. And I often think about it like an analogy of like a runner preparing for this cross-country marathon where it's all these different terrains. And it would be naive of that runner to not prepare well for that race. And right. so get to that, you know, that hill that they're like, I cannot get through this or they start going down a rapid hill, um, I think they pull from that training, right? They pull yeah. from that training instead of allowing it to basically help, you know, sometimes when you don't prepare, you feel like giving up, you start to doubt that you can even do it instead of looking at it like, no, this is what I have trained for. I knew this hill was coming. I knew this downward um, part of the path was coming and I trained for it. So you can move forward in confidence, um, even spiritually speaking with that same confidence, knowing that, you know, I've created the way and God's going to be with me through it all um, yeah. through that. So we would maybe say, I, I don't like this, but at least I knew it was coming and I'm, and I'm ready for it. So, uh, you know, that's really good insight. Now, now Pastor Judah this last weekend uh, loved his teaching and he talked about sort of this four part growth process, dra drawing on different elements from from the passage in the book of Nehemiah he was talking about. And he, he talked about confession, repentance, praise and commitment. And and I, and I want us to take just a few minutes and, and just process those a little bit. We'll see if we have time to get to all four, but we'll just start with start with one and see how we do. So so he he really highlighted the value of confession and he he shared a very powerful personal example of kind of getting a hold of a challenge in his own life and then the necessity of really naming that challenge and and being honest about it. Um how have you seen the value of confession in in your life? 
Yeah, so this has been a really powerful thing for me, a very difficult thing for me. Um, but through my whole life, so a couple things, through my whole life, I've struggled with fear, intense fear. And um, I kept a lot of it hidden. So the only people that really knew were my mom. And then when I got married, my husband Nathan knew. And my husband said something that was super powerful for me. He actually told me, you know, you need to get used to saying it out loud, saying what you're afraid of or saying I'm afraid or um, yeah. being honest with that. And I realized at that point, once I said it out loud, what it actually was, the power that it had over me diminished. And in mm -hmm. this last year, um, you know, some things have happened in my life. I've had some health stuff and then um, some difficulty with um, my mom was actually diagnosed as having dementia and mm -hmm. sent me into this place of deep anger. And I'm not an angry person, but I was so angry at God, really. Um, and yeah. how you let this happen? And you're the God who could change this all. And why are you not changing it? And, um, and I was ashamed to talk about it. And I'm like, I'm a leader in the church. I'm teaching our kids. And here I'm having all of these doubts and struggles. And um, and then, you know, at church, so going back to the fear, Lance started talking about fear. And then even mm -hmm. with anger, I, we started talking about anger here. And I started realizing how powerful it is when we share our testimonies with each other the good things, but also those really deep, um, those deep struggles, because we can help each other through that. And when we start to talk about it, um, it doesn't mean that we justify those things or it normalizes it because it's still hard. Um, yeah. But you realize you're not alone. And at least yeah. that in part, getting it out, it's like the enemy's power over you is lessened, if that makes yeah. sense. It, it it does, and I, I think there's there's such wisdom in in that, and in what what Nathan shared with you, and then what what you've been able to process from there. It it what it makes me think of is, is I think there is this weird sense in which a lot of times we're kind of afraid to be honest about what's really going on in our in our hearts and in our minds, and and there can be even kind of as you alluded to, there can be a lot of kind of shame that comes with that, and. Uh, we all know shame does not lead any place good. <laughs> There's all sorts of research that says shaming yourself is not a good way to try to try to move forward or, or heal from something that's broken. Um, but yet, when we can take that step and just be kind of brutally honest about what's going on, I, I suspect we're afraid of doing that because we think it'll bring on more shame. When in reality, what it does is kind of as you alluded to, there is this power in naming something. And calling it what it is and not being afraid. I mean, I loved in Pastor Judah's example from this last weekend for him to have the courage to be able to say, okay, I don't have a little bit of a kind of an overeating issue. I have a food addiction, that this isn't a dietary thing. This is something where I need to go see a therapist. And it's, you think about the level of, of healing and freedom that that brought. And I think that's such a powerful example for the rest of us to say, okay, the things we're afraid of naming. If we name them, what are we going to find? We're going to find grace. We're going to find healing. Now, are things going to get better overnight? Like, no, like, I'm sure you could testify. You still got to deal with anger. You still got to deal with, with fear. But God can meet us in that and you can begin to do something with it. I mean, is that right? Has that kind of been your experience? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, until we actually start talking about it, you don't even realize how many people might be dealing with the same thing. So until Lance started talking about it, I really didn't know how deep his 
um, struggle with fear and anxiety went. And then more people yeah. started talking about it. Same with my anger. Um, I shared with a couple close friends and they both shared how they have been on similar journeys and I was able to learn from them. Um, and so I think there's there that, that aspect of community and connection and just being able to share your experiences and to learn from each other, but that won't happen until you're able and willing to be that brutally honest, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that brings up another great point, which you sharing your struggle with somebody else and you taking that step of vulnerability gave them the courage to share theirs as well. Right. Which I, I think, again, we we're so afraid that if we share something that others are going to judge us or whatever. But but the fact of the matter is we're all messed up. We're all broken. We're waiting for somebody to create a safe space for us to be able to process our own issues. And sometimes by sharing our stuff, we, we can be someone God uses to bring that freedom to others, which I think is really powerful. Absolutely. I yeah. think even just said, you know, that someone else's freedom is tied up in your willingness to confront your own issues, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we talk about confession and and gosh, I think there, there, boy, there's a lot more we, I feel like we could say there, but I think even just that idea of of kind of confession and and kind of brutally honest confession and the role it plays in our our own freedom and kind of release from stuff that's holding us back is really powerful. Um, But then there's repentance and and repentance is the idea of changing our our thinking. Uh, What makes that difficult? Oh man, I think there's a number of things. I think similar to what we've already talked about, you know, the, that vulnerability, that being in that space of really dealing with your junk is really hard. Um, yeah. And not many of us would choose to do that. Um, we often do it out of necessity or we're forced into it. Um, but I, so I think that's really hard. I also think that busyness contributes to our inability to truly process our emotions, to process when things happen and they come up in our lives. We just often push it down and we move forward. Um, yeah. and we bring in you know, coping mechanisms that could be um, more sin-based as opposed to relying on God or more of those healthier mechanisms because we are busy or because we don't have time or want to deal with it. Um, And then I also think it's hard for us to really let go of those thoughts or the ways that we do things because either they're more comfortable or we kind of like doing them. And um, so we don't really want to take on that new way of thinking or that new way of doing things because we kind of actually want to stay in that place that we're at instead of moving yeah. forward into something different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much wisdom there. I, I think you bring up a number of, of great points. The, the one that I kind of want to res- respond to and, uh, and process a little bit is, is just that idea of, I think, kind of busyness and, and noise that for, for some of us uh, changing our, our minds, which that word repentance in the New Testament, literally is just compound word means change mind, uh, requires a level of self-reflection that can be very difficult in a in a busy and, and noisy world. I was just on my run this morning, was listening to a sermon where the preacher was talking about this, this exact idea. So it's very top of mind. But but I, I was really convicted even listening this morning, thinking about, gosh, like, yeah, my, my life is so full of noise. How much time is there to even evaluate what I'm thinking, let alone invite God into that process. And I've experienced in my own life, and I'm guessing you have as well, just the need to really make that a discipline to like, okay, sit before the Lord and kind of my own thoughts and be like, God, what what needs to be adjusted here 
and it's and and there's all sorts of distractions that can keep us from from doing that, right? Totally. Yeah, and I I I totally agree with that because I struggle with that a lot having, you know, my own two kids and a full-time job and marriage and um, you know, different things that we're involved in. Um, but I think that you know, it's, it goes along the lines of that grace for ourselves too, of knowing that, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge thing that we're doing throughout our day. It could be lots of little pieces where yeah. we're giving time to process, we're giving time to sit. And I know you've talked about this um, in other episodes of, you know, being still and yeah. just listening, listening to God. I just, I don't think that we often allow God's voice into our lives or to interject truth into our lives. And we just continue to have these cycles of dysfunction or the old ways of doing things, um, as opposed to allowing his voice to really infiltrate that. Um, so I think it doesn't have to be a really big thing, at least for myself, that really helps me because yeah. I, often, oh, I need to have, you know, two hours in the morning. <laughs> um, I also, one thing that's been helpful for me that I just started doing is just before the evening time, like before I go to bed, kind of going over the day and not as a shaming or, you know, judging myself for all the things I didn't do, but like, where did I see God throughout the day? Or how yeah. could I grown? You know, how, how did I grow? What could I have done differently? Not in a negative way, but just in a growth mindset way. Yeah. Um, I think it's really powerful just even take just a few minutes to reflect on where God was on his goodness on how what he's doing in your life throughout that day yeah I think that's I mean that's and that's kind of an ancient spiritual practice right I mean kind of the, a prayer of examine type uh, type practice where you're able to do exactly that and, and certainly the end of the day can be uh, can be a helpful time to okay pause reflect there's not a lot of noise and and I think that's I think that's a, that's a wonderful practice. And, and I like what you said too, about how sometimes being sort of aware of God's presence or, or being in that kind of reflective mindset. Yeah. It doesn't require like, okay, I need to clear everything out and create all this, this huge block of time. Like, yes, there's value in, in doing that. And we certainly encourage, you know, to try to set aside some time each day for focused scripture reading and, and prayer and reflection. But you know, like, I, I don't know, S similar to what you're describing, like I've tried to develop the discipline of like, okay, I'm waiting in line at Home Depot. And instead of scrolling through Instagram, I just want to be mindful of God's presence in this moment. Right. And I don't do that every time, but I think, okay, I have two minutes to wait in line. I can just be kind of conscious of God's presence right here. And that sounds a little weird, but I certainly find it much more fulfilling than scrolling Instagram when I'm done. So for whatever that's worth. Now, I want to transition this here. I don't think we're going to get all the way to commitment, but I do want to talk about praise. So I love something Pastor Judah did in the sermon where he started talking about kind of confession and repentance. And, and as we've processed today, these are very valuable things, but they can feel a little bit heavy. And, but, but he, he drew this beautiful connection. He said how confession and repentance done rightly, like they don't lead to us feeling bad about ourselves, but they actually lead uh, to praise, Right. Uh, how have you seen that in your life, that the process of confession or repentance has, has led, led you to a place of praise or, or closeness with God? Yeah, I think it's I think it's seeing his faithfulness through those ups and downs we were talking about early earlier, um, where, you know, at that top, that upper mountaintop, you're looking around and seeing where God has brought you. You're seeing where he has you now and where he's taking you. Um, and I feel like 
it's such a reminder, that idea of remembrance, of remembering what he's done and his faithfulness and his promises. And then you bring that level of praise and acknowledgement of who God is. You bring that with you even down into those valleys, right? Yeah. Where when you start to doubt or when you start to um, be fearful or, you know, your faith kind of gets shaken a little bit, you remember where you were at on that mountaintop or you remember yeah. God brought you from, and you know, okay, I'm in this dark place, but God is going to go before me and he is with me now in this dark place. And so yeah. you have that hope for the future, which leads you to praise, yeah. um, realize God's character. You realize his love for you and his presence in your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really well said. And, and all of that kind of reminds me a little bit of our, our lament series from from January of this year, which if anybody missed those teachings from Pastor Lance and Pastor Matt would encourage you to go back and, and listen. It, it was kind of that counterintuitive idea that lament actually leads to increased trust. And I think that on some level, confession and repentance do those same things because they open our eyes to the reality of God's presence with us. They open our eyes to the reality of, of God's forgiveness and grace and mercy, which takes the place of shame and all of these other sort of toxic emotions. And, and I almost feel like through walking that process, which is often very painful. I don't mean to make it sound like confession and repentance are these like, woo, yay, kind of kind of things. But it is walking through that process that, that can lead us to, to a deeper uh, and more joyful understanding of, of who God is, right? Absolutely. And I think you bringing up lament too. For me, I think I realized going through all of those journeys, I was lamenting. And I kept thinking... Yeah buying me away from God and I'm losing my faith and what's happening. I have all this doubt, not realizing that just that process was actually drawing me closer to him and to a greater understanding of who he is and of yeah. my own faith and who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I love that. Even, even, even that you're able to say, gosh, this, this felt like it was drawing me away. And I, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, that type of experience, right? When in reality, it was actually drawing you closer, which I think is is pretty amazing. So, all right, last thing before we go, to, to wrap all of this up, uh, we're talking in this series about building God's way. And we've talked in these building block episodes about different elements of, of building God's way. But But something I'm trying to return to again and again is just this idea of, okay, what do you say to the person who's stuck? Because you talk about things that a lot of us are feeling that we don't want to admit. I think a lot of us just get in times where we just feel stuck, like, I'm not in process with God right now. I'm not in a place of where I'm going through this confession, repentance, praise, commitment sort of cycle. I'm just kind of blah right now. What do you say to, to the person who is feeling stuck? Uh, how do they go about getting back in the process? You know, um, I think I totally identify this with this question because I've been there. I've been in that spot where I have felt stuck and I have felt like I do not know how to get out of this. And um, I think a few things I would say would be just to keep going and um, to yeah. not give up and knowing that the struggle, the difficulty is a part of the journey. Um, the biggest thing for me that helped me get out of that place of being stuck was other people. And, yeah. um, you know, there's power in drawing close to God, of course, but I really believe when you are stuck, God uses people in huge ways to be able to help you to get out of that place that you cannot get out of yourself. Um, you know, so yeah. for 
whether it's my fear, whether it was my anger. Um, there were specific people that came alongside me. Um, you know, Pastor Matt Bach came and prayed for me, and I told him exactly how I felt. And I was at the lowest point, and he came and prayed, yeah. for me, and it helped me to continue to keep going. Um, it yeah. helped not to give up. And um, yeah. Same with fear. I mean, there's so many levels, but I think really bringing people in that you can trust to say, hey, I'm here with you. Um, you're not alone. And we're going to walk through this together. I think that's super powerful. So if you can get to the point where you can be honest, um, you know, even for me, I see um, someone for spiritual direction and counseling too, if I need it. Um, yeah. I, God uses people in such mighty ways to help us to, um, to get out of that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Such, such great wisdom there. I have, I have nothing to add. That was, uh, I love that. That is, that is just, again, such, uh, such, such helpful, helpful wisdom. Uh, thank you, Nikki, for, for sharing with us today. Really appreciate you sharing kind of your story and, and some things that have been helpful to you. Thanks to all of you for listening. Hope you, uh, found, found some nuggets from this conversation that you can take away to help you build God's way. Thanks to Lucian Hughes, who's going to take all this and make it sound wonderful and send it out into podcast world. And we hope that you'll continue to engage with us uh, through the weekend teaching and these weekly podcasts in our Building God's Way teaching series. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. 